Good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be a beautiful day. It would be a beautiful day even if it was raining, but we have much to thank the Lord for. Some, one of the brethren said to me right before church that they saw I was preaching this morning and I reminded them that they do leave the horse out of the stable every now and then. And uh, it's not my first rodeo, but uh, it's always a blessed privilege to be in the house of God and to express the meaning of what the Word of God has to say. This morning, if you're over 50, you've probably noticed the change in the celebrations of national holidays, such as this weekend, uh, over the years. When we were children, sometimes there was great picnics, there were parades and community events and community affairs and so forth. But a lot of our culture has changed, and of course with the national worldwide pandemic this past year, of course some of those things are going to be different even now. But this is understandable, and this has some repercussions in the lives of even believers in Christ. My son, who is a family counselor, has stated that the number of people, both believers and non-believers, with anxiety issues has increased over the past few years in his office. But we can find a remedy for this, and this is, of course, in God's Word. But I want you to direct your attention this morning to the book of Psalms to consider confidence in God. As Grant mentioned, I'm not preaching from First Peter today. I did that in Sunday school this morning. We ended up First Peter, and next week, if you are attending Sunday school anywhere, we would invite you to come to our adult class and enjoy as we begin studying Second Peter. But the Psalms provide instruction in many matters other than subjects for devotional reading, which we sometimes go to the Psalms when we want, want to uh, have devotions and so forth, and they're good for that. But we find a number of types of psalms, such as psalms of lament or penitence, such as Psalm 51, a couple of other psalms, or psalms of God's sovereignty, which we would find in Psalm 124, which we read this morning in uh, our worship service. Psalms of pilgrimage in the psalm that we're going to look at this morning, Psalm 46. Psalms of royalty, as in Psalm 2 or Psalms of Wisdom, as in Psalm 1. And then we have what is called the Psalms of, or imprecatory Psalms, or Psalms of Vengeance. Now, you don't find people reading those Psalms oftentimes for a devotional time, but Psalm 109 is one of those Psalms. And a few days ago, my wife and I, as we had our family worship at nighttime and reading the Word of God, we were reading in Psalm 109, and we both commented after we read some of the words that were there. Uh, imagine uh, if you were to worship the Lord in church by singing a hymn which speaks of words of vengeance such as, May his days be few, in verse 8 of Psalm 109, or may his children wander about and beg, in verse 10. And may creditors seize all that he has, as in verse 11. 
That Psalm 109 was written to the choir master. Now, the choir master in Israel, uh, in the old t- days of Israel, was the one who led in the worship service in the temple with the people who would be there. And they would sing a, a, a psalm such as that. And when you think of those words, we certainly wouldn't want to include those in a, in a hymn which we would sing. The song that we just learned this morning is very appropriate for what we're going to look at today in confidence in God. So our consideration of confidence in the Lord will be in this psalm, Psalm 100, and, or rather Psalm 46. So if you have your Bibles open to that passage of Scripture, follow along as I read the words of this psalm this morning. And this is to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling sea. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. Let me repeat that. Because that's a very important phrase in this whole song. And in our thoughts this morning. Confidence in God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Will you pray with me? Father, we pray today, as we look into your word, you will speak to our hearts. Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God might take the words of Scripture and use them, Lord, to speak to us in such a way that we would grow thereby. And Father, we pray that if there's anyone here this morning who does not know you as Savior and Lord, that they might realize that as they are seeking solace and peace and joy in their hearts, that the only confidence they can find is in God himself. And may they realize, Lord, that as each of us as believers must realize as well, that we need to be still. We need to know that he is God. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This psalm, as you'll notice in your Bible, is really divided naturally into three sections, verses 1 through 3, verses 4 through 7, and verses 8 through 11. And each of these sections ends with the word Selah which is Hebrew, to lift up. In other words, take time, pause as you read this, and as you read this section of the psalm, to just stop and thank God for what is said there and what is stated there in that psalm as you sing it or as, as you read it. 
and rejoice in it. It's interesting to note that Martin Luther was moved by this psalm to write the famous hymn, which we're going to sing at the end of our, our message today, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And when you read this and you see what is written here in, in, in the various words and so forth, that uh, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And that's repeated twice in this psalm, what, how Martin Luther found this to be true as he began to write that hymn. So in verses 1 through 3, we find that the psalmist is writing about the problem that exists in the world, which many people today are, are you know, you hear about global warming and, and the environment and so forth, the collapse of the environment or the cosmic world in which we live. Here we have the great and many causes of fear, earthquakes, floods, storms, and other natural catastrophes. Now, I've never lived through a, a very severe earthquake. When we first moved here a little over 15 years ago, one morning we had barely just gotten awake. It seemed like our house shook. I couldn't understand what was going on. I thought, well, maybe somebody was using dynamite to do some building and to uh, get, dislodge some stones or rocks and so forth at a, at a building site. But I was informed later on that there was a slight earthquake that took place. And that happens every now and then, they said, in Indiana because of the substratus uh, of our uh, firmament and so forth in which we live. But I've lived through some floods, some very severe storms and possibly some other natural catastrophes and so forth, but I don't, I don't quite understand what some people have been going through and so forth as, as we see the news and we watch the news and so forth, but one of the things that these natural catastrophes are things that might uh, do and, and take place in our life is the, the fact that we will find that God is our refuge and we will not fear. This is what the psalmist begins with, that God is our refuge and he is our strength. Then there are these are things that must also come that we find in our, in our lives that take place, the affliction, sickness, and so forth, that uh, you go to a doctor with an ailment and you hear some type of diagnosis that you can't even pronounce the name sometimes, and and uh, you're, you're concerned about what it's going to do and how it's going to affect you and so forth. Or you have the things that must come, such as death. We know what it's like to grieve when a loved one dies. We know what it's like, uh, Many, some of us might know what it's like to have a, a child that's taken from us in some respect and so forth. And then another thing that we need to realize when we think of this, when the natural things and the collapse and so forth that takes place is, the day of judgment is coming. And that's the day in which we need to realize is going to take place. But God's people are not to fear, even if the world collapses, according to the psalmist. God overcomes cosmic violence to accomplish his purpose. Notice the psalmist goes on and he says that we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar, the, the waters of the sea roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at us, at its swelling. 
My wife and I enjoy the seashore. We used to live close to the seashore and spent some time every now and then when we wanted to relax just by going over and walking on the beach or sitting on the boardwalk and so forth and, and watching people and listening to the seagulls and listening to the, the waves come in and so forth. And here we are in the middle of the country. Uh, don't even smell the salt air from, from the sea and so forth, but... but when, when you watch the ocean sometimes, and we've been there sometimes when the, there's been a windstorm out in the ocean, how the waves come roaring in and, and how large they can become. Now, I've, I've never been a sailor, so I've, I've never spent time on the ocean, but I understand, as some men who have spent some time there, people who have spent some time there, have uh, mentioned that sometimes the waves can rock your, the boat and so forth to the point where you're not even certain whether you're going to survive, whether the boat itself is going to continue to survive. So we need to realize that God's people are not to fear, even if the world collapses. God overcomes the cosmic violence that we notice and read about in the news and hear about in the news to accomplish his purposes. Then we come to the second portion of this psalm, verses 4 through 7. Here the focus shifts from cosmic collapse to political turmoil, uh, either national or even international turmoil among politics. This is something most of us are familiar with as, as we look at this. Notice what it says here. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and he, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, and kingdoms totter. He utters the, his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So what we find here is that this is something that most of us are familiar with, the political turmoil that takes place even in our own nation as we see it. But the psalmist writes about a river in the city of God. What could he mean when he writes this? What does it mean for us in, in the day and age in which we live? Jerusalem, of course, in, in Scripture is oftentimes referred to as the city of God. But there's no river in Jerusalem. At least there wasn't when I was there. Uh, and I spent probably about five days, close to five days in Jerusalem. And I very little water around the area to, to speak of, especially no river and so forth. So, so what is the psalmist writing about when he talks about this in, in the city of God? The river of life will be in the new Jerusalem. We read about that in Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, when, where it states that the, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And oftentimes, trees are spoken of in Scripture as something that God has uh, definitely provided for us uh, for food, for sustenance, for comfort, and strength. So we find that God's sovereign intervention is, is listed here in verses 8 and 8 
through 11 as, as we go later on in our psalm. But in this passage of scripture, he's talking about this river. And as I asked the question, what is this river of God and what is this city in which he's speaking of? I believe that this city or this river is explained in verse 5 where God, that it's God's spirit that's in the midst of the city. Might I suggest this morning that what the psalmist is writing about and what we can apply it to in our own day and age in which we live is that the church may be called the city of God, the church of Jesus Christ. He dwells in it. Notice in verse 5, the psalmist says, God is in the midst of her. Who else would be dwelling within the church of Jesus Christ? He founded it and he built it. The church derives all its privileges from him. He is the chief ruler of the church. Peter states in 1 Peter that he is the chief shepherd. In other words, the chief ruler of the church. And the church is his property. The church doesn't belong to us. The church belongs to God. You and I, as part of the body of Christ, belong to him. So we find that in this section of the psalm where the psalmist is writing about this, that even though the nations rage, the political parties fight with one another and, and it seems like they're trying to tear governments apart and, and make changes and so forth con concerning all that's taking place in the world today. And then we find that he utters his voice and the earth melts. And verse 7 the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So we find that this, we're going to look at this even a little later on in this as well. So when he says that the Lord of hosts is with us in verse 7, as I said, this is repeated in verse 11, exactly the same as it is in verse 7. This refrain reflects, reflects the peace and security that God's people enjoy in his protection. Is it any wonder that Martin Luther looked at this passage of scripture and he wrote that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. We have a fortress in which we can, when we think of what a fortress is, we, we don't face that today. Those of you who were in the military might understand what it was like to be in a fort or you have Fort Bragg and Fort other forts and so forth, where it's just supposed to be a, a sense of security and so forth for the military and where they go to for protection. In the days of, of David, and as the, those people wrote these psalms and so forth, people were fleeing to forts when there was a, a battle raging and, and there were, was a problem taking place within the nation. And they found that, that was the fortress was that which saved them and protected them from that. And here the psalmist is saying that the God of Jacob is our fortress. We flee to him. Now looking, in, in, as we look at the end of the psalm, verses 8 through 11, this is a call for the child of God to rest in divine protection. There's a peace amid the turmoil and the difficulties of the day. He says... Reminds us, in spite of all that's taking place in the cosmic world, in the cosmic universe, and where even the mountains tremble and, and, and they, the waters roar and the mountains can be moved and 
into the heart of the sea and so forth, and then that the nations rage and the political turmoil that takes place. He says, come, behold the works of the Lord. Where do you flee when you're facing problems and difficulties? Do you wander about and throw up your hands in despair and say, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to face this, this issue and this situation? Or do you realize what the psalmist says here? Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on earth. When you think of the catastrophes that take place in our society today, I, I just caught a glimpse of this on the news today before I came, that there was a shooting again in Florida where 20 people were shot, two died. These, these are catastrophes that we look at in our world today. We, we throw up our hands sometimes and say, where, what's the solution to all of this? Is the solution taking away guns? Well, Cain didn't have a gun when he killed Abel. The solution is in the hearts of men and women and young people. The solution is to change and see a change and an altering of their hearts and, and in, in their lives and so forth, that they would put their faith and trust in the Lord and, rather than in the power of, of a gun or a weapon or a rock or a knife or whatever they might use. But he goes on in this psalm and he says, He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. It is he who creates the peace. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now we come to that phrase that I emphasized earlier. Be still and know that I am God. What is the psalmist telling us here? What does he mean by be still? Why? Why be still? Because we find in verse 10, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Mark chapter 4, a few weeks ago, our pastor preached from this when Jesus was in the boat in the middle of a storm in Lake Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee. I sailed across the Sea of Galilee. When I said I was, I was never on the ocean, well, the Sea of Galilee is not an ocean. It's a big lake. I could see the other side, which was fine with me, you know, when I got in that boat. We were supposed to go with a... Joan and I were there on a tour, just the two of us, and we were supposed to go with a whole group that was supposed to come in on a bus, but they got delayed somewhere, and that's one of the, things, one of the problems when you go on a bus, I understand, that somebody wants to see this, somebody wants to see that, and before you know it, they're behind schedule. And the boat couldn't wait any longer, so crew of four men, Jewish men, took Joan and I across in a big boat, as long as this building is here, across the Sea of Galilee, just the two of us. We, we enjoyed it. But there was no storm. It was a beautiful, sunny day. But I could just imagine when I was on that boat what it must have been like to have the wind come down and the waves, you know, just toss a smaller boat, which would have been smaller than the one that we were on would have tossed it around in that, that sea. What did Jesus say when he was awakened by the disciples? Hush, be still. He said that to the wind. 
And here the psalmist, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is saying to you and me, in the time that we are faced with a pandemic or whatever else we might be faced with, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Why does he say this? Well, he says, I, God, will be exalted or lifted up among the nations. The nations can be in turmoil, as we read in the, the previous verses. The nations may rage, they may fight with each other, they may seek to destroy each other, they may even use nuclear weapons sometime in the future, we don't know, to destroy one another. But God will be lifted up among these nations in, in the turmoil that they're in. He says, I, God, will be exalted, or I will be acknowledged in the earth. In other words, we need to turn our faith and our trust in him. Again, the promise of a holy, righteous God is given here. The Lord of hosts. This is a very important word, very important name. The Lord of hosts, which we find in verse 7, and now here in verse 11. What does this mean? Well, the word hosts here in the Hebrew means the Lord of armies. I am the Lord of armies. The name that we find is Jehovah Sabaoth. When you find this word in, in Scripture, it means that he is in charge of an innumerable number of angels and angelic beings and the armies of heaven. And he is in control. He is the one who controls all on the earth and, and upon the earth. He is the one in whom we put our faith and our trust as we are still and know that he is God. So I ask you this morning, and what is your hope and security? Is it a particular political party? We've seen how our nation is in turmoil, has been in turmoil probably for the last four, five, six years between politics and politicians. What one man does, another man undoes. What that man undoes, another man comes and renews. The, you put your trust in, in that or in an influential politician. Oh, this man's going to save us. This man's going to help us. This man's going to solve all the problems. Right after World War II, the United Nations was formed. That was going to solve the problems of all the nations fighting against each other. How many wars have we had since then? They no sooner had the United Nations formed than the Korean War broke out. And to say, well, that was just, you know, a couple of nations and so forth, it was a war. Men died. People died. Civilians died. What about your financial resources? Is that what you put your trust in, your hope? You know, the stock market keeps going up in spite of all the turmoil that's going on. Every now and then it drops a little bit. But I said to my wife a couple days ago when I saw this, I believe someday soon we're in for a big collapse. Do we put our trust and faith in our financial resources, whatever our bank account is, whatever our savings is, our 401k? I heard Christians... Say when the 401k, when the 
back a number of years ago when the 401k started to fall. You know, oh, they were so concerned about their 401k. What about the believer that doesn't have a 401k? What about the believer who doesn't have a big savings account or a big checking account? In whom do they put their trust and their faith? Again, what's your toughest battle in life? What's your greatest fear? What's your worst enemy? God's word tells us, Be still and know that I am God, and the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, is with us. Where's your confidence today? I trust your confidence has been placed in God. And you're trusting in Him. Think of it. If the odds against you seem overwhelming, the situation in which you find yourself seems unbearable, you're overmatched, and you know it. When it comes to the world, you're at the end of your strength, and you feel it. I was saying to someone this earlier today, you know, 10, 20 years ago, I did a lot of things that I can't do today. We all find that to be true in our life, don't we? But what do we do when we find our strength failing? When our hearing is going, our eyesight is going? In whom do we put our faith and trust? If we trusted in ourselves before, who do we trust now? It needs to be God. You're in deep trouble and you sense defeat, darkness closing in on all sides. Some of us know what it's like to be faced with deadlines, to be faced with things that we just feel we can't meet, we can't match, and to know as we lay it before the throne of God, God intercedes and God helps us through these things. Beloved, this morning, in closing, I want to say to you, there's a name you may call upon. It's a name that makes the very pillars of the universe tremble. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven. That's who we should be putting our confidence and faith in. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, will deliver you and for you who need salvation and are here this morning and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can put your faith and trust in all kinds of things. But the Lord of glory will bring about the day of judgment. It's bringing about the day of judgment that you're going to have to face. He will redeem you from the clutches of Satan. He is God. Place your confidence in him. Be still and know that he is God. Father, we pray today that as we seek your will and purpose in our life, we might find our faith and our trust is only in you. We find confidence. We find strength. We find hope and even joy in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances that we're faced with. Lord, help us to be still and to know that you are God.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.